0: Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen. The scripture for our message this morning, the the Old Testament lesson we heard from Amos chapter 7. Dear friends in Christ, have you heard the story about the old man on his deathbed who wanted to take all his money with him when he went? He called in his doctor, his lawyer, and his pastor. And he handed each an envelope and he said, Here's $50,000 for each of you. You're honest men, and I want you to put these envelopes into my coffin when I'm dead. Well, the funeral came, and each of those three dropped the envelope into the coffin. And when the coffin was closed and they were headed to the cemetery for the committal, The doctor, the lawyer, and the pastor were all riding together in one car. The lawyer started. He said, well, I have a confession to make. There was only $30,000 in my envelope. I'm still paying my college loans. Then the doctor said, well, if it's time for confession, there was only $20,000 in my envelope because we need new equipment in the clinic pastor gave them both a shocked look. He said, I can't believe it. I'm ashamed of both of you. I want it to be known that my envelope contained my personal check for the full $50,000. Why are there so many great jokes about clergy and churches and Christian people? Of course, the answer is that even though God's word is perfect and divine, God's people, God's church, God's pastors are fully human, flawed, and even unfaithful. And that's why it is that again and again over the centuries and over the millennia, God has called out, called up prophets to call his people back to faithfulness and back to him. And our account from Amos chapter 7 shows us the work of a true prophet, both to proclaim God's word to the nations, but especially to return that word to our hearts. Amos explains his calling in this way. He says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Amos was a person who knew the Lord. And the Lord had called him from his regular daily calling as shepherd and orchard tender, and said, go prophesy. Now, in the Old Testament especially, when you hear that word prophesy, don't think primarily of foretelling the future. The prophets did a little bit of that, but most often their job was forthtelling—that that is, speaking forth honestly and humbly and clearly the word of God. Amos' message from God began with a message about sin and God's judgment addressed to seven different nations in the ancient Middle East. Now, significantly, five of those nations were heathen nations who didn't know the true God, and two of them, Israel and Judah, did know the true God. And we understand that, don't we? That sin is not only damning, but sin is universal. That regardless of your ancestry or your ethnicity, the Bible simply says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so Amos' message began so simply, to all of these nations, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem against sinners in any and every nation. As God's people. As people called to proclaim clearly God's truth, we realize what an amazing privilege we have and also what a huge opportunity lies ahead of us. You realize that because sin is universal, Everyone needs to hear the message, and in fact, in our world, fully two-thirds of our world's population does not know Jesus as their Savior. And then you and I are so privileged to know all of his truth. And that, too, should strike us as a special privilege. You, You realize that even here in the United States, only one-third of Americans regularly confess that they trust in Jesus Christ as their personal savior? Then add to the fact, the strange statistic, it's almost baffling to to us who know the truth. Almost one-third of American Christian clergy can't get their heads around the basic miracles, biblical miracles, of Jesus' virgin birth or his bodily resurrection. And God has entrusted to you and to me his entire truth. And you and I can say, because of that great privilege, just as clearly as Amos did, hear the word of the Lord. That's what he did again and again and again. A message that clearly calls sinners sinners. Sinners but also a message that again and again points to God's great prophet, Jesus, and says what sinners can't do, God did. He sent his one and only Son that we should live through him. But while Amos' message began with seven judgments on seven nations, he was sent specifically to one of those nations. We heard his words Go prophesy to my people, Israel. To understand that command, we have to know a little Bible history. After the time of the great King Solomon, because of stubbornness, because of sinful pride, because of disobedience to God, God's people waged a civil war. And they partitioned themselves into two different nations. Judah in the south and Israel in the north. And Amos' call, Amos had lived in Judah. But his call was to go to his brothers and sisters in the northern kingdom of Israel and call them back to faithfulness in the true and saving God. And in his message, the Lord gave both an invitation and a warning. He said, Seek me and live. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. But as we hear in our text, that beautiful invitation was so easily rejected. We're introduced in our text to a man who's called Amaziah, the priest of Bethel. Now again, to understand this, we need a little history. When the two two nations separated, Israel and Judah, the king of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam, he worried that his people might lose their allegiance to the north and to him if they regularly traveled to the south, to Jerusalem, to God's temple to worship. So he built two temples of his own. One at Bethel and one at Dan and he equipped both with a golden calf. He said to his people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. And you notice Amaziah being the priest of the golden calf He didn't even bother to argue with the message from God that Amos brought. He just attacked the messenger. He said, Amos is raising a conspiracy against King Jeroboam in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. His message is full of inflammatory language attacking the messenger. And then he direct, directly confronted Amos. He said, get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Amaziah is implying that Amos is just a seer. He's seeing visions of his own. And then, It's so ironic. He accuses Amos of doing this for money. The priest of the golden calf is accusing Amos of doing this for money? Then he says, don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. The irony continues. Bethel literally means house of God And Amaziah can only see it as the king's temple, the temple of the kingdom. And God's word is not welcome there. Amos answers, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of sycamore trees. But the Lord God took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. answer the charge that he was doing this for financial gain, Amos says, hey, I already have a job. I know how to earn my own bread. I'm not doing this for that. Then he says, I'm not a professional prophet. I wasn't even trained at one of the schools of the prophets. It's just the Lord's calling and the Lord's command. Amos had only one motivation, that people should hear God's clear and saving word. And his appeal, again and again, was the only one possible. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. And of course, you and I realize that that message speaks to us as well today as it did to Israel. Just think about the sins of Israel. When you read through the book of Amos, you notice that Amos is not called to take them to task for specific sins, but rather for the sins of convenience and comfort. I mean, that's what their king said. It's too much for you to obey the Lord and travel all the way to Jerusalem to worship. Just do it right here. And then when you read Amos' message, Israel was prospering. And in their prosperity, they were so comfortable that they forgot the truth of God. The people are described in this way. You lie on beds adorned with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlful and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Have you ever found yourself crying out with your own lips or in your own mind that following the Lord is just too difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's not convenient. Just think for a minute about the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. If you're anything like me, in the back of my head, my sinful nature wants to say, well, Lord, I can't live without my friends or my family or my health or my retirement fund. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. But that's just the way everybody talks, Lord. It just comes right out of my mouth. How can I avoid it? Honor your father and your mother. But my mother's such a nag. Or, now they've gotten old and smelly. You shall not murder. I never murdered anyone. But, what about murdering someone's happiness? With your criticism? With your judgmental attitude? You shall not commit adultery? But oh Lord, my marriage is so unhappy. Lord, what, what about flirting with that woman at work whose husband is such a jerk? You shall not steal? Oh, what? unless it's my taxes or my offerings. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Oh, but my neighbor is so much fun to talk about. And it's all true. And those celebrities. All their flaws are all over the news every night. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or spouse or anything that's your neighbor's but God, you haven't given me very much. And without money or my health, oh, what do I have except God? Sins of convenience, huh? Making God into too much of a bother? It happens so easily. And that's why it is that God has to call up prophets like your pastor, like your teachers, like myself, like every one of you who's been given God's word and that very wonderful privilege and responsibility to speak it. And I I really do think there's a reason God chose a a country person, a shepherd, and a fellow who tended an an orchard of fig trees to be his prophet. Because in a big city, it's often very, very easy to think, well, there's so many people, somebody else will do it. Or I can hire someone to do it. I spent almost 30 years of my ministry in rural areas. And I really got to respect the attitude of farmers who figured out how to make it happen. Even if they didn't know how, they learned how to do it. And, of course, we can ask ourselves, why don't we do the same? Why don't we have the same kind of an attitude toward something that's so incredibly important as hearing the word of the Lord and speaking it? I mean, we know that Jesus is our one and only source of forgiveness, life, and salvation. And he's the one and only source of those amazing blessings, not just for us, but for everyone around us and everyone in our world. We know that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So why not just make time for it? If you don't understand it why not just find a good Bible class or a good Bible commentary? Why not just ask? That's why you have pastors and teachers and lay leaders like Amos. My family was not pastors. We actually grew things in greenhouses. But the Lord put his word in my parents' hearts, in my heart, and he called them and he called me. Go prophesy in the same way he calls you. So the next time your family is facing a crisis, the most beloved people in your life, whether it's a big crisis or a small one, why not do the work of a prophet and ask, what did God say about all this? Next time your Christian family here at Emmanuel is facing a crisis or a problem, and you're trying to figure out, is it dollars, is it planning, is it some administrative thing, why not ask the question a prophet asks? Is this a spiritual problem? Is it a problem right here in my own heart? Or in the hearts of God's people? And then especially, when your family or your neighbors or your coworker, or you yourself are feeling beat down and guilty and burdened, why not just do the work of a prophet like Amos and issue the Lord's sweet, sweet invitation. This is what the Lord says. Seek me and live. Seek the Lord and live. That's the work of a true prophet. Both proclaiming his word to others and hearing that word for yourself. Amen.